Welcome to Film Buddies. This is another industry interview segment. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate this. And I love the fact that you are doing uh, this podcast series. So thanks yeah. for having me. Of course. Uh, we should introduce who you are, Princess, a um, director, producer. Are you also an editor, I believe, as well, correct? Yes. Editing is my main background. And I've now moved into directing, producing, and cinematography. Oh, cool. I added cinematography too. That's one thing that I'm trying to get better at because as a director, it's so helpful to know the how to explain the visual <laughs> look that you want. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I, uh, my most recent work, I've been doing more um, cinematography work. I've been filming a lot of the Black Lives Matter rallies here in uh, Brooklyn and mm-hmm. a little bit in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, so I have I am helping the black led organizations kind of document their legacy through this revolution. And I have also been doing some field producing for production companies. I'm uh, working with a production company on a docu series which will feature children um, who have a special connection to animals. Oh, cool. And yeah, I, so I, I'm doing some development shoots for that project. Um, and I am in between editing projects on four different feature films. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you stay really busy. <laughs> I do. It's, um, you know, it's tough now with uh, COVID, you know, mm-hmm. um, things just aren't working with the schedules that everyone had, you know, uh, mm-hmm written out so it's like uh kind of start and stop well we might have some money here or we had money for a month of editing and now we've you know we can't go any further um so yeah it's been um it's been a lot of jumping in and out of jobs or trying to get another sample or get something together for grant funds Mm -hmm. um and we know that even that's a struggle to get grant money for documentaries at this point yeah, even before COVID, it was not the easiest yeah. thing. So I can't imagine now how much harder it is. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I feel like everyone's just kind of like worrying, like, what's going to happen? The economy is crap. You know, there's so many <laughs> yeah. employed. Uh, the film industry has been at a halt. You know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> there's so many things you have to take into account with people's health and how... Uh, certain people are being affected by the virus. You know, I am black and um, I lo- I'm on two hands for how many people I've lost that I know uh, from COVID um, back in March and April and mm-hmm. May. Um, and these were people that I grew up with. So it was, um, it was really sad, you know, just mm-hmm. the way the U.S. has handled things. So I'm hoping that we won't go too into a round two of that. I'm really hoping that <laughs> there yeah, will that's... be some sensible um, decisions being made in the future. I hope so too. That's a lot of heartbreak to to go through that and then see how our government <laughs> just reacts so poorly I know. As, as if real people aren't affected. Yeah, it's quite embarrassing. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, the people always come through and I feel like we're doing the necessary work to stay sane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're already in a crazy industry. We already decided to be in this crazy film industry. So yeah. we're <laughs> just rolling with the punches. We are. We're kind of built for to deal with craziness in a sense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, you know, the, this, uh, the journey has been, um, enlightening. I have, I mean, just to tell you a little bit about my background is mm -hmm. I, I started off as a PA when I graduated, uh, from college. Um, I started to get PA work, um, on music videos and small productions. And then I landed an, an assistant editor job at a high-end commercial post house where we edited commercials um, and some films, but it was mainly commercials. And I was an assistant editor there for eight years. Oh, wow. Um, almost eight years, yeah. And so then I went freelance. I went freelance in 2012 and I went freelance as an editor to start building out uh, work that I wanted to do, building my reel. Um, and I wanted to break into the film world. I wanted to work on films. I wanted to work on more long form content. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I did. Um, it was hard breaking in because when people don't see that you have a film already edited on your resume, mm -hmm. it would be hard. But what happened was uh, people knew me uh, uh, from AEing so long through the commercial world. Um, and they started hiring me for branded content, um, for short films uh, through uh, branded content in a doc style form. Mm -hmm. And I started building my reel uh, that way. And it kind of led me to a production company where I edited my first uh, feature film. Um, and then it, you know, just kind of started growing from there. And then I started, uh, I, I, I started working on my first film as a director. Um, and that was Tracing the Hairstons, which is a very personal film. Um, mm -hmm. it's basically telling the history of my family, the Hairstons, uh, from both the black and white perspective. And so that documentary I have been working on for several years. It's finished production. We're in post-production now. And uh, I am trying to get funding to finish that as well. Um, and I have been editing other people's films and those directors are trying to get funding to finish those projects. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I'm always overlapping projects because there's a start and stop point. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to be prepared and jump into something else. And, you know, the budgets are not the same as when I started in commercial world. Um, you know, just the economy is, is different. Um, so, you know, there's a, it's, you're constantly fighting for your rate. I'll say right. that, mm -hmm. right? We're constantly yep. fighting for our rate. We're trying to get a decent rate. People want you to work more now for less money, which is mm -hmm. so unfair, um, you get burned out a lot. Um, I do feel like I overwork myself all the time on a project, mm -hmm. all the time. And I'm learning how to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it is hard, especially when you like know you could do a really good job and you just want other people really to be like, oh, wow, this person's really gifted at what they're doing. But I feel like higher ups and those with hiring privileges, they don't always see things the same way. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, being a black woman in this industry is, it, it just has been so challenging. I mean, the issue I have is why I fight for my rates is because I see the white men getting mm -hmm. the rates all the time. So it's like, well, that tells me the money is there. You're just choosing who to give the money to. 
who to get true, yeah. to. Um, so I just think as women, um, we especially need to um, speak up and demand more. And, you know, being a black person, I already know that I'm faced with so many other challenges and I just really need to um, know my worth mm-hmm. and go for it, basically. I think that's a really good way to go about it because you're right that we do see there will be like random anonymous companies that reveal their payroll and what people are getting paid and you see like oh well it's very obvious how they determine worth it's very simple Mm -hmm. it is um so yeah we 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 as women we need to we need to step up we as people of color you know we as black people we all need to start demanding um respect in the industry as well as demanding to be able to tell any story we want to tell mm-hmm. right? um, especially stories that are relevant to us um, we should definitely be at the center and be a part of that um, storytelling process mm-hmm. um, but yeah as far as my journey um, I started uh, so I went freelance after AE and then I just started getting into I started expanding my Horizon. Okay, I want to direct. I, I've known that since I was a, a kid that I wanted to direct. I just fell into editing sort of um, by watching a lot of films. I, I, I kind of realized later in life that the editor was very important to storytelling mm-hmm. creating the story, which I did not know growing up watching films. I was like, oh, the director did such a great job. The director did everything, you know, right. and I really mm-hmm. didn't know how many people it took to complete a project, to complete a film, or even complete a commercial. Um, so when I fell into editing, it was just mind-blowing information how much the editor had pulled when mm-hmm. pulling the story together. And I really love the connecting factor of an editor and a director's relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was like, I can do this. The editing is amazing. <laughs> you know, it was long. It's long. It's tedious. A lot of people who don't like editing are like, I can't believe you're an editor. You know, you're <laughs> in there all the time. I could not do that. I cannot watch a scene fifty times and right. you know, over and over. And I'm like, uh, it kind of comes natural to me. I'm totally fine with that. Watching something over and over, trying to interweave a story better, mm-hmm. how to make this better. Maybe this scene is not working. Maybe we need to go back to the drawing board or um, yeah, all of that. I, I just have the cool, calm demeanor to plow through the editing process. So I, I'm really glad that that was sort of my first main avenue into um, content creation mm-hmm. from all aspects of from commercials to branded content to short and long form films um, to web series. Uh, and but, you know, I still wanted to direct. So I, I just said, you know, as a freelancer, I'm just going to take these I'm going to take these leaps. I'm going to start working on my own projects. Um, you know, I, I I didn't have budgets or I didn't have a lot of money to go out and pay big crews. So I would mm-hmm. pay small crews and I'm like, okay, what can I do 
um, by myself or with a small crew. Um, so, you know, I've worked on two short films that um, were in several festivals. Um, one was a short doc called Don't Expel the Blacks, uh, which was a short doc that I actually did in 72 hours um, for a film challenge with Brick. Oh, wow. Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it won the film challenge. Um, and it was, I did that all by myself, which was insane. Um, and that was, that turned out pretty well. And then my other short film was a narrative short, which I wrote, um, which is United States versus white men, mm -hmm. which I had a small team and, uh, yeah, it was a, it's a two person short film scene where, um, an FBI agent who is a black woman is now interrogating a white man who, uh, is representing how white men have pretty much conquered and used white privilege and white supremacy to overtake and overstand every other culture mm -hmm. um, here. Um, and yeah, so that was a pretty sharp film. I feel like it was definitely a daredevil film, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was real. You know, yeah. real. I think we're not used to challenging the dominant group. Um, and it was just time to like, you know, really put something to paper to say like, yeah, like we need to analyze what's been going on. There's a reason why there's so much, um, division, mm -hmm. so many problems. There's so much discrimination and racism, mm -hmm. you, you know, this country was founded on just evil processes, um, yep. and you know, you have to change your ways and uh, people of color cannot keep doing all the work. We need white people to really step up and say, you know what, even though I wasn't a part of, let's say, slavery or I wasn't a part of Jim Crow era, mm -hmm. I still benefit as a white person. I still benefit from everything that my ancestors or other white people did before me. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't agree. So, and, and at some point you have to realize I haven't been speaking up. Um, I haven't been contributing to a productive process of change. So I am at fault and I mm -hmm. need to really, uh, you know, put my, put, put what I'm thinking or what I'm saying from my mouth to action steps. And so right. it's all about action steps. Like if you're, if you have a major list of action steps, then you are supporting white supremacy and white privilege here. There was a really good book that I read called The New Jim Crow, which mm -hmm. really helped me learn that like what has historically been racist policies, how it's just like how it's become more kind of like secretive and nefarious, but it's still in action today. And that was something that was really eye-opening for me of, oh, wow, this is very much ongoing. And yeah, it's um, from a black perspective, we I, I feel like I'm always shocked when white people say, I just didn't know. And I'm like, mm -hmm. how did you not know? But then I start to realize that white people are never really challenged to know their own history. They never really have to face it or speak about it. Like it's, you know, history has been written a certain way from a white male perspective to glorify what white people have done here, but they never really tell you exactly historically what's been happening. Right. Um, I think uh, 
you know, white Americans tend to study other cultures, but never study their own history. I guess that's, that's yeah, I it's, a, it's like we've, we've put blinders on. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And it translates to every industry. It translates mm-hmm. to our industry, which people think is the cool industry. Oh, you're working with so-and-so and, you know, you're working with all these fabulous celebrities or this top director or this mm-hmm. you know, well-known person. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, there's still issues within our industry. Yeah, it's- like the, the movie Green Book. <laughs> which- oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Why? 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 I don't know. Yeah, that... Yeah, that one's like a really good recent example of how the industry and really how like the the white view continues to permeate everything, no matter how bad it is. Yes, it, um, and that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Having stories told from one perspective where it's been set in stone, this is how we will tell the black American story. This is how we will tell the Asian American story, you know, from the right. white lens where it can be <laughs> accepted. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, we are so fed up with that. And, you know, it's coming to an end. It is. Mm-hmm. And you, you're going to have to change. Um, I don't see what the issue is for diversifying your production crew uh, from top to bottom. Yeah, there is no um, issue. Opportunities, there's plenty. <laughs> there no. should be no issue, but I think part of it is that we know, like, white people in general, their network is usually just white people, so them having to break out of their comfort zone and network and just acknowledge that there are talented people who don't look just like them. Yeah. It seems simple, but yet we do get resistance. Right, right. Yeah. So it's it's in every industry. So we hope mm-hmm. that it will change. There's been many, many articles within the film industry now about, you know, films getting major flack for not having a diverse team and still constantly hiring the same white filmmakers to tell every story. So mm-hmm. how can you expect other people to have a bunch of credits when you kept hiring the same person yeah. the whole time? That, that There's no way other people can grow within the industry. Um, so I'm hoping that it'll change, but this is why I feel like uh, black people and people of color in particularly have to wear multiple hats, right? We can't just rely on one job because what if I don't get a job in that in that role for the next eight months? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if we want to create um, works that we want to work on, it's, it's like we got to do it from scratch and it takes us longer and it's more work and we're overworked, but this is how we get things done um, until you hire us and, 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 and give us the same salaries that you're getting. Um, Was that the motivation for adding producer and writer to and cinematography to your repertoire? Or is that more of your desire to tell creative stories that you feel more bonded to? It's a combination. Um, I think, I had been in an AE role for several years. Um, I kind of knew I was not going to get promoted there. I needed to leave and start my own journey and that that journey would possibly be challenging, but I needed to do it. Um, As far as getting a directing role back then, I don't know who was hiring a black woman to direct anything, you know, Mm -hmm. 
it's just it's it's not realistic uh, because of the the privileges of mm-hmm. one group. So we kind of know that it's it's almost like you have to go out and create your own stuff uh, to start building your credits. So directing was always in um, in my mind and on my list to do. So I knew that I had to start prepping myself to do that type of work. Um, cinematography, it's, it's something that I've always loved and admired when other people did it, but I didn't think I would be good at it. Um, but then I started investing in camera gear when I was directing. Cause I was like, you know, what if I'm out in the field? And this is like when I was working on Trace and the Hairstones, I would be in the South and I couldn't find anyone really who had gear during that time to help me in these wood wooded areas Mm -hmm. to work on this documentary. So I was like, I need to start investing in gear. Like I need to be able to pick up a camera and shoot. You know, what if I'm out here just introducing myself to someone and they say, hey, well, you can shoot here now that now that I've introduced myself and they feel comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And those moments would happen and I needed to be prepared. So I started to pick up a camera and get like familiarized with, okay, framing, how am I going to frame this lighting, which is so hard to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I still work on that. Um, But, you know, as far as as far as picking up the camera and doing run and gun or framing and filming on on the fly, I'm getting pretty good at it. and as far as cinematography, as far as sit-down interviews, I've gotten much better. Um, I've invested time into watching a lot of stuff. I was like, I don't need to go back to school. I can like, there's so many videos, so many people putting up so much great information. Yeah, uh, you could really learn. I think it's it's a matter of if you have gear where you can practice, your skill set will improve tremendously. Mm-hmm. It really will. Um, and, and I actually, I like it. I like it. It's not my number one thing. I will hire a cinematographer for a lot of my stuff, but I will do cinematography work as well. Um, and then producing, I, I, people have always told me, even when I was an assistant editor, you would be a great producer. Uh, you communicate well, you're great with people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you're organized, uh, you are a people person, you can connect people well, um, they could totally see me running a set and I was like, Oh no, I don't want to be a producer, you know? <laughs> yeah, here it is, like the last two years. Here I am producing uh projects here and there, and those people were right. I, I can do it. So it, <laughs> and I, I've been doing it pretty well. Um, you know, I, I recently directed and produced and filmed a, a short doc series called Brooklyn Chef Series. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn Chef's Brooklyn Chef Series features Black women who own and operate restaurants in Brooklyn. Um, and I couldn't get it distributed. I tried to sell it to several kind of like online platforms. It didn't really work out. Um, so I just kind of put them out myself. Uh, so... I put out the first episode, which features Letitia Daring, who mm-hmm. is the owner at Greedy Vegan um, here in Brooklyn. And I'm working on the next episode, which will come out in a couple of days. And that one is featuring Gwen and Fifi from the Krabby Shack um, in Brooklyn. And so, yeah, I just feel like um, I, I have a strong connection to the work that I'm developing and filming. 
Um, it usually tends to be from the black perspective um, and to also contribute to sort of like the legacy of black people around me. Mm -hmm. um, and I really have a love for doing projects like that, especially since you rarely see projects like that. Um, I feel like a lot of films on black people are the traditional uh, ghetto porn from a white person's perspective. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, let's follow this family. It's a single mother. They don't have a father. They're living in the <laughs> projects. It's like the same. Yeah, overcoming it's, adversity. Yes, all the, the time <laughs> from that same lens. It, it's literally from that same lens. It's so mm -hmm. insane. Um, but they're so, I mean, Black people are not a monolith. That's what we keep saying. Like, there's, <laughs> there's so many different stories you can tell. Um, and so I want to contribute to that because um, I knew many Black people like that grow, growing up. And I grew up in a Black community my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even went to an HBCU, Virginia State University. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm blackified, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's fine. And that's okay. And, you know, I meet, I, I meet Italians who, you know, are totally Italian out, you know, they are not like, this is their culture. That's what it is. And that's fine, you know, but we can all get along and appreciate ourselves, um, I think that's the biggest thing. So, yeah, I, I think um, that we definitely need more voices in the film industry. And if that constantly means people of color having to step out and do their own work, that's just what we got to do. I'm curious to know if you are interested. It sounded like you were interested in directing or at least working in the film industry since you were a child. Was that because you were interested in storytelling or because that you're not seeing stories that resonate with you on the big screen and that's just stayed with you until adulthood and post-college? Mm -hmm. um, I was really drawn to the film industry literally because of watching TV and films on TV with my parents. Um, it had nothing to do with representation at a young age gotcha. because I was just so fascinated with uh, how this art was put together. You know, um, I never knew they had so many crew, uh, crew members. I never knew they had so many crew members that would be behind the scenes, you know, because I, I was just so fascinated of how they actually put all these scenes together, you know. And, and I started off watching old Westerns with my parents, and that's all I knew. I just thought, Westerns were on 24 seven because my parents <laughs> were that dedicated to Westerns. Um, right. And then, you know, then I started to get into cartoons and, you know, different things. And I was like, oh my God, what is all of this? You know, it, it's, it, it was just so fascinating to me. Um, so I really didn't get, I didn't really didn't realize that I didn't see a lot of representation of people that look like me yet because I kind of just, it was in my mind that that was normal. Um, it wasn't until I think I got to like middle school when I started watching the Cosby show and a different world and seeing all these black people on screen. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? You know, mm -hmm. they look just like me. It's amazing and it's great. Um, and started seeing more films come out with more black people. 
So that's when the importance of rep- representation came in was as I got older and realized there was a place for me in this industry. That's really cool. I, I've noticed that you have, it seems like most of the work on Straight Path Pictures is documentary and docu-style. Is that something that you really feel is your strength or is it, or are you interested in doing more fiction narrative down the line? Yeah, I'm really drawn to documentaries. I really love documentaries. They take a long time, um, mm-hmm. but I, they're so personal. Um, and I feel like they're the hardest genre to work on because you really don't know the full scope of the story until you get in the edit room. Right. <laughs> yeah, which is, that's the challenge part. But um, I, I constantly keep working on them, but I do want to get into narrative and I've written my first full length script, which I'm revising now. Um, I, I'm starting to submit uh, the script to different screenwriting workshops. Um, I actually got into the Sundance directing level two lab. Oh, awesome. Uh, last year, I got into that intensive with this script. Um, and so I'm, I'm working on narrative, you know, that's also a process because I'm writing mm-hmm. something that I would like to direct. Um, but for the most part, I feel like documentaries are so tangible to me where I can literally, for some reason, I always get myself inter intertwined in a documentary. Um, it's just kind of like my lifeline now that I've kind of, uh, no longer full time in commercials, but right. I still go back and forth. You know, there'll be moments where, like um, earlier this summer, I worked on a commercial. I still work with ad agencies and production companies on commercial work or branded content. There's a lot of docu style short films now through mm-hmm. through you know these big entities uh, where they want to brand that content in a doc style. Right. And make it less about branding the brand and more from a personal connection with the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a lot of those as well. So I feel like um, this is a time where you should be open to broadening your scope of work, I would say. Um, because there's just so much content. Look at all the online streaming platforms and look at how, like, look at everywhere someone can watch content. Like we need to be creating content. It's, it's like the great time, right? So everyone, obviously it is harder for us to get our content out there, but the the avenues for your work to be seen has opened up drastically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did you go to college for film or was it not a creative degree pursuit, more of just like you know, we're expected to go to college, so we do. Yeah. Um, so I went to college and I gr- I went to Virginia State and I graduated with a degree in English with a concentration in mass communications. And so that means I kind of studied television, radio, and film under gotcha. mass communications. Um, and yeah, I didn't go to the fancy film school. Um, I feel like my... I, I played basketball in high school and I played other sports too, but basketball was my main sport and Mm -hmm. I was trying to get a a college scholarship 
and things didn't quite work out the way I had planned, but I landed at Virginia State University and you know, overall it was really great. I love the people that were there. I mean, I had some, the sports thing didn't work out for me at Virginia State University, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was like, I still knew going to college, I still knew that was the only major I wanted to do. So when I went to Virginia State, the way that I could study television, radio, film was to major in English with a concentration in mass communications. Smart. Yeah, I I feel like I see more people with communications degrees from from like non film programs. Mm-hmm. I f- think I see more of them in the industry than people who like me went to a film program. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because like maybe communications because it gives you a wider scope of knowledge. It prepares you more for what it's like working in the industry. I'm not sure what what the reasoning is, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I would say so. It does give you a wide range um, mm-hmm. because you you don't only learn film. Right. You don't only learn that. So you actually learn um, a lot about literature and um, educating from a professional standpoint, how to communicate. Um, yeah, it's 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 different. Um, how was your experience coming out of film school? Because a lot of people that I met with film school, it always, it's always weird to me when they say, they get on set and they're like, we didn't learn this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, we went to film school. <laughs> like, and it, it happens all the time. They're like, yo, I was not prepared. And I went to a, a strong film school. Like that's all we did. But when they got to set, they were like, oh, they just didn't know the logistics or they, they knew some key things. But as far as, you know, everything from development to post-production to finishing, a lot of them said they, they just, some of these steps they didn't learn in film school. Yeah, I would say the program I went to was smaller and was like slowly transitioning to more production based, but had roots more in teaching theory and history. So we learned Mm -hmm. that primarily. But I think schools like that tend to have almost like an indie eye in how they instruct. So you're like, oh, well, I understand like I'm if I'm writing and then I'm shooting and then I'm editing. It's not (laughs) as nuanced as it really is in the industry in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say I I could have done without my degree, but I'm glad that I have it because I wouldn't have learned film theory probably or known really much about it had I not gone to the program. But Right, yeah. yeah. I guess it depends on what film school you went to, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. My final question is, although I think I might have a guess what the answer is, if is if you weren't in entertainment at all, what do you think you would be doing? And my brain was saying basketball <laughs> because of your story. I would have to say mm-hmm. because I can play sports anytime, I don't think I would be playing sports professionally now that I think mm-hmm. about it. I think I would probably be working in some type of industry where I could maybe help people who are in group homes or 
who have been abandoned or because I do do that a lot on the side where I help homeless people or mm-hmm. uh, I'm always I'm always going above and above uh, uh, excuse me I'm always going above and beyond for people who need help or who might have fallen on hard times um, so I, I, I just always find myself helping an undocumented person, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to help um, someone who just lost everything or someone who's in a bind. Um, so I can see myself in some fashion, maybe running a company where I could be assisting people who uh, need help throughout a lot their life or they fell in hard times or they're part of a marginalized group and uh, they're going through life challenges at the time. So I can totally see myself doing that because I, I, I kind of do that already on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably would be something that I would be doing. That's nice. I, I've been getting answers who are like, oh, can I say photography, you know, and like still sticking with the industry. Like, so that's nice to, to branch out and do more social. It makes sense with the type of docu-style content that you work on, that it would be more social and community-related. Yeah. yeah, it'll be community-related and social justice involvement. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I took the pandemic very seriously, um, and I still do. Um, and I didn't go out for months. Like mm-hmm. you know, I literally did not go out. I took it very seriously. Um, unlike some people, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took it very seriously because I had people passing away that I grew up with. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is crazy, you know? And, and I already have two brothers who are deceased and I don't want my parents to bury a third child. So mm-hmm. that was another thought process of mine. Um, but I know that I would be in social justice because the minute the revolution started after Aubrey, um, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Mm -hmm. I immediately went out to pick up my camera and go to the rallies and start helping with document, uh, what's going on. Like, it was just like a... Like I, you know, that's the only reason why I went out. And that's the only reason why I still go out now is to help someone document their legacy through this revolution. Like I, that's something in my heart that I know I will take a risk on um, through my creativity. That's how I kind of contribute to the revolution. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about the civil rights movement and I think about all the movements where black people in America had to go out to let people know around the world what they were going through Mm -hmm. and how that was only able to be documented by white people in press. And I feel like this, within this revolution, it's important that we are at the center of telling our own stories. And I knew that I had to get up with my camera despite the pandemic I had to pray, I had to put on my mask, my gloves, and I I would walk because I was afraid to even get on the subway. Like when I first started going mm-hmm. out, I was like, and I would walk from Bed-Stuy all the way downtown Brooklyn to Camden Plaza with my camera gear, sweating, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I would still get there and then we would march for hours. Yeah. And I've been doing that for the last two months. So I know um, just social justice and things that will benefit Black people in the future. I'm willing to put my life on the line for those causes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, I feel like we pick and choose. I just know I have that in me. And, um, you know, I, I, I just pray that we're all safe when we're out there. Um, and that's the only time I even go out. Like I won't go out for anything else. I'm not going out to hang out. Don't ask me to go to the bar. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> None of that stuff because I, you know, it's still people are getting sick around me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's not gone as much as we would like it to be. It is not. And we're about to deal with the schools reopening or clo- mm-hmm. you know, possibly yeah. reopening. And that's going to be a whole different ball game. So mm-hmm. the only thing I'm going out to do is to do revolutionary work as a filmmaker. And even still, there's so many white men out there filming Yep, I saw them, and and I'm one of the only Black women out there, and it's so mm-hmm. disturbing. It really is disturbing how yeah, the, I don't know the few I had seen. I was like, "You're not here to participate and also record events." It seemed like they were just there to 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 merely record and like have no. I I just. I don't know. It, it annoyed me because I felt like you're not here to support the cause. You're just here to observe it and potentially get views on YouTube or wherever because of your videos. Right. Yeah. Or so. maybe they're selling the footage. I'm wondering what they're doing with the footage because yeah. they don't have a connection with the organizers. Like, you know, when I go to an or- organizing, um, I'm sorry, when I go to a rally, uh, that is being organized, the first thing I do is I just go up to the organizers and I say, hey, I'm local here. I'm a filmmaker. Um, here's my info. I'm going to film. If you want me to give you the video or mm-hmm. however you, if you want me to make a video for you to help, I'm here to just to document your legacy. Um, I want people to know that you were here and I want you to have footage of yourself being here in this moment. And they're all appreciative. They're like, yep, yeah, give us, you know, or working on a video. So I'm working on multiple videos now. Um, And it's personal. Like I go out there every time that they're filming most of the time if I can. And um, yeah, this, it's not, it's not a moment. It's a movement, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And that's just what we're in right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, you did send me some links on how to follow you and find you online and social media, which I'll put in the show notes. But if you also want to tell people or tell listeners how they can find you, whether that's Instagram or wherever, or if you have a project that you want to plug now is the time. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, you can follow me at Princess A. Hairston. So that's P R I N. C-E-S-S-A-H-A-I-R-S-T-O-N. I have two websites. Uh, my first website for my production company is Straight Path Pictures. Just spelled as, as I said it, straightpathpictures.com. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's all that website is specifically for everything that I direct myself um, and produce or finish on my own. Mm-hmm. And I have my editing website, which I've had for years uh, that a lot of my clients go to, which is just princesshairston.com. And you can go there and see the variety of work that I edit for a lot of production companies, ad agencies, and filmmakers. Um, And as far as the projects I'm working on now, um, the four films that I'm editing off and on, uh, Little Sally Walker, which is a film about how Black women use childhood play um, as refuge to survive in America. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the other film is This World Is Not My Own, which is a documentary on a self-taught artist from Georgia, Nellie Mae Rowe. Uh, the other film is Juvenile, which is uh, follows five characters who, are, who have been in the juvenile system here in America and tell you their experiences and how uh, the juvenile system is very harsh. Um, and needs to be changed all around. And Traits in the Hairstins is the film that I've been directing, which is a personal story on my family and their legacy here. Uh, So those are the four feature films that I'm working on. I'm also working on that uh, docu-series project on children uh, who have a special connection with their animal. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a new project that I've been working on still working on the Black Lives Matter rally, uh, short docs for the organizers. Um, and yeah, the Brooklyn Chef Theory, that's still ongoing. I still want to promote uh, Black women who are owning and operating restaurants here in Brooklyn. And so new episodes will be coming out for that soon on Instagram through my IGTV channel. Oh, okay, cool. It, yeah, on the uh, website as well. Awesome. Yeah, you definitely have a lot of content to watch on both your websites. I was looking at Straight Path Pictures, and and I'm interested to see um, the rest of your your projects when they're fully edited and, and available to the public. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is fantastic. Yeah, thanks for joining. Yeah. Cool. I hope, I hope some people are inspired to just take the industry by the horns and do what they want to do. Yeah, you have to invest in yourself. That, you know, because if the industry is not investing in you and this is what you want to do, you got to invest in yourself. Even mm-hmm. when no one else invests in you, you have to invest in yourself. Start somewhere. That's my that's my re- recommendation. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's great. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on with me. Thank you so much.